What is the funniest or most interesting thing that's ever happened to you on stage? Well, that I can tell you. I was doing, given, it happened to me one time in, actually to me actually happened twice. The first time it was in Amsterdam when uh, I was playing a concert. It was in the concert about the little hall and you raised up there. And in the intermission, one of the uh, the guards there, or the, or the, what do you call them, the people that take care of it, you know, but they have the their uniform. I guess it would be an usher that takes care of the backstage, but it's a very elegant. Stage hand or... Yeah, but this is not a kid like in jeans. I mean, this guy's you know, you're very, very well spoken. You know, comes back and I said, Mr. Alberto, I mean, I have something to tell you. Somebody has advice us that you have a hole in your pants. You know, so um, so I suddenly I bent over, looked over, there was a big hole in my pants. I say funny, actually, it was it was kind of embarrassing. So we didn't know what to do with uh, with this. I was wearing a tuxedo, but very white underwear. Was you know was shining through. So since then I only wear black underwear in concerts, just in case that happens. Black duct tape. That's what you need to bring with you. Well, that's what I, <laughs> I guess I told you the story before. No. Well, that's what happened because <laughs> you know because obviously because the the, the pants were worn you know so so what, what we ended up doing, and I don't know if this is going to stay in the podcast, but what we ended up doing is putting black duct tape on the underwear so you would see black and just so you couldn't see the thing anymore. And this happened to you twice. Yeah, it happened another time, but it was in a, a, a severe as the whole. And this, this time. It's, it was a, it just one, you know, but with with a white, it was you could see it very clearly. Oh no! So having learned that now, I check once in a while, I check to see how the pants are doing, and and uh, always black on the wall. <laughs> That's good because there was no there were no sequins involved. Um, how do you prepare differently for recording than you prepare for a concert? Yeah. Because in a, in a recording, if we're talking about a recording where you can edit, the most important thing is that, is that you do it one time in a way that you like it. So it doesn't need to be that you do it the first time. It can be the second time, as long as you get it in a way that, that you know, you're happy with it. And the concert is the first time. You prepare so that it comes out you know, the first time. I, I would say that's the biggest difference. So in the preparation... I find myself thinking more about the music when it's for recording and less worry about the technique. And for the concert, I worry more about the technique. What was it like working with all the different artists you you have recorded with? It's been fun. It's been, for more than fun, it's always been a learning experience. I've always gotten myself into trouble. I have. I, I've always gotten myself into situations that, that it were big, huge challenges, and and the uh, the fact of the matter is that I've come out often with black eyes, you know, I mean, you know, from these situations, but you also, it pushes you forward if, if you accept the challenge and, and, and you accept your limitations and, or you see what you've done wrong and try to correct it. I cannot imagine what, what it would be like to not have done all these things, you know, because it's, uh, it really honestly enriches you, it gives you different views, you know. You learn from them also, especially if you're not working with uh, with just, you know, other guitarists. It also, the music becomes a common denominator. So then you're talking music. It's no longer put the finger here, put the finger there, or or any of that stuff. It's just, they just, they're just hearing to the music that's being produced, you know. I'll tell you things off the top of my head. I mean, I've been lucky to work, to have worked with some really amazing singers, you know, like, like Domingo, or Barbara Hendricks also, and the King Singers also as well. And 
And when you're there with a the guitar and these people sing, and now you you have to little melody or whatever, you really have to push the guitar to its limit so it can be as expressive as possible. Mm -hmm. So it can it can hold its own next to, to 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 these people. Same if you play with the, uh, you know, I remember playing for some sometimes with flute players, you know, you know, and I've also played with some really good ones, you know, and and. Uh, so they, they imagine you have a flute, all you have to do is hold it on, it sounds like it's singing, then you go with the guitar, cling, cling, and then what, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you have your solo, whatever, just to bring it up to that level, to push yourself to that, you know, you learn a lot if, if, if you take the challenge. I mean, if you just say, well, the guitar cannot do that, or, or the guitar, then, then you know, you're not gonna, it's not going to push you. Mm -hmm. Same things with, you know, having worked, in, even, yeah, playing, playing with people like, you know, like Steve Moore, so that, that I don't steal with Andy Summers or with Alan Mignol. I mean, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to get on the stage with, you know, with Steve or with Alan Mignol. I mean, it's terrifying. Well, but it is. It is. You know, and, and, and especially, you know, I remember with Alan when he agreed to do it, I didn't sleep that night. I'm thinking, what the hell have I done to myself here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there better be like an ambulance waiting for me outside, you know. But you take the challenge and you try to see. It also pushes you. How is what is it that you can do? You know, to to hold your own next to this, you know, incredibly brilliant, you know, I mean, impressive kind of playing. You know. Well, speaking of brilliant and impressive playing, um, one of our students wanted to know what it was like to work with his teacher, Franco Platano. <laughs> <laughs> it was very difficult. He's a very <laughs> difficult person. <laughs> It's probably Speaking about of here. brilliant and impressive. Yeah. Right? Well, I think it was <laughs> okay. great. I think it was great. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a different relationship. That, for example, having worked with with uh, with David, because you know it, it, that was like coming into place with, with with Franco and I. We were so similar, you know. And and the fact that he be my student, it was it was great also because we could really come together. We could really try to do something. In a, in the same way, and, and, it, and it was really a chance to to try to make the two guitars sound like one guitar. Mm -hmm. I remember one time uh, uh, you were playing the master class also with Odaira and Sergio Rosal, and Franco played, and Odaira goes, "Who's your teacher?" And I, and to Franco, I said, oh, "I'm joking, I'm joking, I know who it is. It's obvious who it is." <laughs> you know, so, so so to me that that was the. Uh, the best thing about, about having worked with Franco was, was that it was really that we could try to work and make it sound all together as one thing. Where it, it wasn't a, a matter of egos, or you know, we just really tried to do that. I think to me that was that was the beauty of that. What inspires you to keep doing what you're doing? I guess because I've been so negative in my all my life, I actually enjoy it more and more all the time. You know. A lot of the things that we've been talking about, you know, I mean, to have the experience of, of working with these people, you know, to have worked with, you know, with Franco, with Domingo, with Al, whatever. And I think also as you get older, and at least the, the path that my life has taken or where I've gone is, is that, and I, I suspect that a lot of this has to do with, with, uh, with being older. I see beauty where I wasn't able to see it before. I appreciate much more a lot of things. I understand... I like to think that I understand more, you know, what this experience of life is about. The role of, of what we do in, in this life, I mean, that's become more clear to me as well. 
And more than anything else, as a, as a, I just see beauty where I didn't see it before. This is sort of an, uh, going in a different direction. Um, and it has to do with giving advice to aspiring guitarists. Um, the question is, is there anything that you can think of now that you wish you had known back then to make life more manageable and to cope with the life of being a musician? For myself? Mm -hmm. Well, or yeah, just for, a lot to of give things. advice to other students, to yeah. students who are trying. You ever heard that expression that, that uh, youth is wasted on the young? <laughs> yeah sure if i could do it you could do it again yeah i mean I, I wish i could you know what what kinds of advice would you give to aspiring guitarists in your experience well i think what i'm going to say i don't think it has anything to do with being older now i think it's just basically same thing which is that i mean i think you you, you want to be the, the the best that you the, that you can at it I mean, I think, I think to be self-critical is, is an imperative if you're going to do the best that you can. I mean, you have to take criticism, you have to be self-critical, you know, to, to become the best musician that you can, to take in as many influences as possible, to be as open as possible. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're playing ourselves in a way, you know, I mean, it's, you have to feed yourself that way. You have, you have to feed your soul, you know, your intellect, your, your feelings, you know. And then in a practical sense, as, as long as far as making careers, that's what this is, and you have to seek opportunities to, to let other people hear the work that you're doing. I mean, you could be the, the greatest musician ever, but nobody hears you, you know, they're not going to know about it. That's what I would say. When you say um, it's imperative to be self-critical, what do you mean by that? Well, I think it's a painful process to really do like a really good job at something, because you have to criticize what you have to... You, you cannot just say, well, that's good enough, because it's good enough, it's not going to get you there. You know, I mean, you, I think, I used to have a, a record producer, Gerberg, at, at EMI in Germany, and remember, and he said that the most difficult thing for him was after so many years, and I don't know how old he was at the time, he, may, he might have been in his 60s, he said, after all these years, after having all, done all these recordings, to still try my best. So that's the most difficult thing. I think it's right. I think you have to find something inside yourself that keeps trying and keeps trying to make it make it the best that it can. If you take this road, if you take the road of quality, if you, if you take the road that you want to do things well, you know. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for someone planning on studying classical guitar in college? Well, I think if you're going to do something well, if you're going to play the guitar really well, you obviously need to have the talent, you know, and unfortunately you cannot buy that. You have it or you don't have it. So you do believe there is such a thing as talent? Oh yeah. You don't? Like this is my interview, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. Well, you know, call it whatever you want. If it is because there is there is a misconnect or for whatever reason, some people do seem to be able to do some things quicker, easier than others. Mm -hmm. Some people uh, seem to move their fingers faster than others. Now, it could only be because they were able to touch a button inside that the one was not able to touch. That I don't know. But for whatever reason, in just an appearance, there is more talent there. Mm -hmm. I do know one thing, and, and this I, I, I am sure of. Some people are more in touch with their feelings than others. Some people are more able to communicate their feelings than, than others. I, I know this from teaching. Some people have feelings and you're sitting there in awe when you hear some of these beautiful feelings that are bringing out. There's some others that are totally blocked. Mm 
Can't get through. Cannot get it out. They're blocked. Completely blocked. You know? Anyway, I think you need a talent. You need to work really hard at it. But you need the right information. You need good information. You need good teachers and training. So that's it. So, so the only advice that I, you know, if you if you have a talent and you're willing to do the work, is the information, the the better information you can have, and the meaning the better the teacher that you have, the faster you're going to develop. And that's what you want. You want information. Do you think there's a point after which it's difficult to continue improving as a student? Do you think it's important to get in practicing before a certain age, for example? Well, I've seen people really develop the techniques a lot after after even in their 20s, for example, and even later. You know, I sort of grew up hearing that after a certain age, you wouldn't develop anymore. That's not what I've seen. That's not what I've seen. But obviously, the, the, the earlier you begin and the more you practice, it's going to be a head start. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it, it is a competitive thing. You know, as far as, as, far as the uh, you know, careers, for example, I mean, th- there is room for X number of people out there. And the ones that... Well, it's not only the better ones. Sometimes it's because they're able to market themselves or whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, as far as the one that make it on, on the quality, you know, is is the, the the better ones that do it. But anyway, as far as far as the college, I mean, it's the best teacher that you can possibly find. And the question is, how do you know who's the better teacher? That's mm-hmm. a difficult thing. I think I think uh, you, I think you need to talk. You need to ask. You need to. Um, Maybe have lessons with people, you know, because, you know, I mean, it's difficult also because uh, a lot of teachers out there are presenting themselves as though they are the best teacher in the world because they're trying to help students so they can make a living, you know. So you have to be able to uh, somehow tell. Mm-hmm. That, that's not as easy as it sounds, especially if you don't have that much experience. Mm-hmm. That can be difficult. What do you think the future is in the classical guitar world or for the classical guitar world? You know, it's funny, I've been thinking about that. I think it, it, it will become more in a way like um, perhaps like other instruments. There, there has been a lot of, in, in the past, we have been, a lot of us have been like guitar freaks. You know, and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think, for example, if all you want to do is just listen to classical guitar and the soul and nothing, nothing, that gives you happiness. By all means, you know, knock yourself out. But my sense is in the future, it's not going to be just at a higher level. It's not just going to be whoever can play the guitar well, but whoever is also an interesting musician. I think it will come to that. Like probably like it happens already in some, in some of the other instruments, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to remember that not so long ago, if you could play recuerdos, I mean, you were an incredible virtuoso. Well, that's not the case anymore. And you have a lot of people out there that can play really well. So now what, you know, and imagine with the, in the piano, with the pianos, I mean, there are a lot of amazing pianists out there. So who's going to actually go to the top? I think it's going to be the ones that can go beyond the instrument and just or be able to do interesting things. One time, one, one executive from one of the big record companies told me, you know, we probably never again record a Beethoven symphony. And I, and I think what has happened in the past, is, this is my own personal view of it, whenever they come up with new technology, it, it justifies re-recording everything again. Whether it was a stereo or and then they got, they got, we got to the digital uh, you know, era now, and it's like, what next? 
So probably, unless they come up with something new, and I don't know what that is. Maybe it's like a 3D thing where you, you, know, you can walk around and touch the player, who knows what. This will, this will slow down quite a bit, you know, the, the recording thing. On the one hand, on the other hand, now anybody can make a recording. So it's, 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 uh, I, I'm not exactly sure where it's all going to go. Is there anything in particular that you would like to see happen in the future? For the guitar? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, I would like to, uh, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but I think we still need to catch up a bit with, with some other instruments. You know, we've come a long way and it's admirable what we have done as a group, but we still, we still need to, uh, to do more. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. it. It can happen often to me, and I mean often, that I will play with the symphony and the conductor will say, oh my God, a guitar, a guitarist I can play the notes. Or, oh my God, a guitarist I can count. Wow. You know, but I'm being, you know, you'll be amazed how, how often that happens. And that happens because... Uh, I talked to you, I, I just played with a conductor, and he was telling me about some experiences that, that he's had, you know, with guitarists, and he was telling me about this person, he said it was one mistake after the other. Just the whole performance was one mistake after the other. So you can imagine when things like that are happening, that, you know, it's going to, to, to damage the, the, the reputation, you know, make it more difficult. So I think, I mean, I'm not saying that's the case, because I've also seen some young players that have done, you know, amazing jobs playing with orchestra, so mm -hmm. that's also happening. So, do you think that some of these bad experiences that conductors are having with guitarists, do you think that's with sort of an, an older generation, or do you think that's happening also with younger guitarists? No, this, this experience, actually he mentioned two, and they both were, one was a young guitarist, and the other one was... Um, I think like perhaps somebody in their thirties or so. Wow, I was imagining that that was kind of changing a little bit because it seems like now we have sort of the younger generation of guitarists who are out there performing have had the benefit of studying with people like you, and so they've sort of are able to continue that as opposed to go backwards. Yeah, but don't forget that that for example, when when you get so when you have let's say a well-known symphony, and they have a guitarist and it's a young guitarist. It's probably a guitar that's being pushed by some identity, some probably a record company, mm. you know. And in, and I'm saying this to be critical of record companies, but the fact is that that often they don't know who to choose, mm. you know. And they may go with somebody because of their looks, or or because somehow they can, you know reach a wider audience because of the, especially nowadays because they're playing crossover things or or stuff like that and then what happens is that they don't they don't understand that these people don't really have the, the, the foundation so even though they may look good in, in, in a record cover they, they, you know they go out there they begin to play in these situations and they're getting bad about reviews and so people stop working with them mm -hmm. so it doesn't fly because they don't have that mm -hmm. um i have one final question and this one cracks me up um, name five dead people you'd like to meet. Oh my god. <laughs> I tell the people that I admire. I always admire somebody like John Lennon, admire him. 
I guess it's just just because I think they seem to be out there and it, they seem to be bigger than their music. You know, I think Muhammad Ali was like that as well. Well, he's alive, but he just, uh, he, he just, especially him. I mean, was somebody who was so great at what he did. It seemed in every aspect of it. It would be fascinating, I think. I, I think maybe to talk to Segovia. I mean, I did it a couple of times, but it, but it was, it was just you know, it wasn't my answer, and it, it wasn't really picking the brains. But I think it's, I think since we're, since we're guitarists, I think it's amazing what he did. For the older I get, the more I do what I do, the more I admire what he did. I think it's unbelievable, and his his dedication is like unquestionable. I don't know why I'm thinking now Mozart or Beethoven. I don't know why I'm thinking now. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, can, you know. Uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting question. Yeah, but I I I would, I would need to I would need to think about it more. Maybe I'm not sure. Thanks so much for answering these questions today, Manuel. Thank you, Risa.